you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL podcast goes to lunch together. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler and Chris Wessling. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Woo! Wow, a lot of big news. Mark Sessler back from vacation. Looking refreshed. Well, I noticed hubba, hubba. the minute I get back, Greg Rosenthal is gone. He, that seems to be a signal sent from the boss. The Perhaps. Greg is on vacation. He went to Hawaii. Uh, you know, so he is spending a week uh, on the Pacific, if you will, enjoying himself. So you now slide in. It is a, a trio here that we're. I feel like every other week we have some type of content on our website. What's the best triplets of this, the best triplets of that? Um, right now there's a, a triplets tournament going on whereby um, our friend Ali downstairs has organized this. Where Fun party? The, yeah, the best triplets of each college that are current NFL players match, matching up. We, I find we are probably the best triplets uh, maybe in the NFL media empire right now with Greg out of the office. Who's going to top us as triplets? Well, you were triplets with Greg last week. Are you saying that it got better with me replacing Greg? I, and that's what I'm hearing. Wes from. will answer that question after the show, privately. I have some opinions on that. Wow. A man with opinions. That's Chris Wessling. We have a very nice show today. Um, the type of show that you just wouldn't expect on June 30th. You'd say, oh, these guys got nothing to talk about. <laughs> well, screw you, because we got a lot to talk about. Get off my back, Dad. You proud of me now, Dad? A lot to talk about today. A lot of issues. Don't know where that came from. All right. I love my dad. Keith Hansis. Good man. Uh, big show today. Uh, we have uh, co- uh, top comeback player of the year candidates. Chris Wessling wrote an excellent piece. I read the whole thing cover to cover. That is unlikely. Uh, all his 10 options. How would I know his 10 if I didn't read it? There's uh, no way you read the intro. Okay. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> the top 10 comeback player of the year options Wes had. And also he threw some on at the end to cover his tail in various places. <laughs> Uh, so we will go through that list, and Mark and I will uh, perhaps take him on in some instances and also throw in some options of our own. Uh, also, Sessler hits the ground running upon his return to the NFL media empire. Uh, he wrote a post. Haven't got to it yet. Players likely to disappoint. Uh, you threw out, I don't know, five to ten names, I would assume. Uh, six. Six names. Wanted to do ten, but, you know, ran out of steam. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, yeah, that. six is a bit of a weird number. June 30th. Go ahead and run out of steam. Uh, so you six players you think could disappoint with some nice expectations uh, in 2015. And, uh, yeah, Wes and I will take a look at your list and add some of our own and uh, take some shots as well. So that's fun. Uh, we will also, If we have time, later this week we'll definitely be hitting up the mailbag. Um, I have a mailbag, a written content, which I know both Mark and Wes have read uh, in its entirety, the mailbag. I didn't even know that existed. There you go. I'm getting to that. So right back in your face. You take it in the face. Well, you posted it right before we left for the podcast, didn't you? No, it was posted I, I, roughly literally hours ago. hours ago. Yeah. But anyway, everything is now out in the open, clearly. Um, and I did read your intro, Wes. 
Thank you. Nobody in this room respects each other at all. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, we're we're gonna hit the mailbag bag on Thursday with Lindsey Rhodes with us. Uh, but we're, maybe we'll touch a, touch on it. Maybe hit a question or two today just to start digging in because um, our listeners and our readers really uh, stepped up as they always do. A lot of questions to go through, so we did that. But so yeah, that's a lot of stuff to get to. Uh, but before we do any of that, we look behind the glass. And, uh, you know, there he is. He's got a mustache and his hair is neatly parted. The type of guy you <laughs> would want your daughter to date. Oh, I th- but not be that. behind center. It is <laughs> Sully. What's going on, fellas? Now, don't think it's a coincidental that there's no TD after Thursday's nightmare production with the, with the microphones and the lav mics. And, and listen, the Twitter mentions we were flooded out. TD's been suspended. No, uh, one show. He's uh, he he said he was busy and would really like the help that for me to come in and step in. But his excuse was right. that Sessler's back. <laughs> wow. That's <what> he said. <laughs> Somehow that's it's that, turned into a Sessler. Yeah, day. that's he fine. Said, he said uh, I, I'm not doing it. Sessler's back. I'm I'm out. That's yeah. a fine way for him to handle what is a genuine suspension yeah. handed down from <laughs> NFL media. There was that's right. There was a very real and a very serious sit down with TD about the production value of the show on Thursday, and we apologize to our listeners. And what was said as an aftermath was maybe just step away from the chair. And what he then said to Sully, it makes sense. He's on some level uh, a mentor to Sully, and he, he doesn't want to <laughs> lose his pride with a, a, a kid, a kid as he calls him. So yeah. shots. So there Shots you go. Fired. TD is a mentor. But I'm it, willing to be his patsy in this equation, but it's so it's so thin and see-through. <laughs> but the, cutting through all that, Sully, it is good to see you back. Yes, it's good, to, good to be back. And Sully. the Irishman, Brendan McGinnis, I see him back there. That's right. So let's do some news. All right, let's start in Buffalo. A lot of hype in Buffalo, as we know, every week. There's another reason seemingly to be excited about the Bills if you ignore their quarterback situation. Uh, <laughs> this time we're going to talk a little bit about the defense and specifically uh, Marcel Darius, who believes that the Buffalo Bills D could be, quote, the best ever with Rex Ryan leading, Rex Ryan leading the way. Um, this was his exact quote, uh, best ever. It's so attainable. So obtainable. All we have to do is continue to do what we want and not what we can. If we do what we want and do everything to head in that direction, why can't we? Why can't we? Wes, why can't they? Well, first of all, they're not even the best defense of their era or of this year or of last year. How about you start with that and then we'll go on to tackling the 85 Bears of Rex's father, Buddy Ryan, or the 2000 Ravens or – the most underrated defense in history, the 1977 Grit Splits Falcons that hold the record for fewest points allowed. I thought you were going to say the 1996 Jets. No, don't no. care about them. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I mean, does is it seem to, to you, Mark, that with Rex leaving the Jets, it's almost like he rebooted his personal uh, braggadocious machine and it's now infected is a strong word, but it's really it's come straight down downhill and all these players seem to be very rejuvenated and have that swagger that the Jets once had. Yeah, it it certainly feels like a reboot of what we've heard from Rex before. I think part of his game plan when he comes into a team that hasn't won a playoff game in a decade plus is to get them mentally in a different place to say we, you know, to put that spirit in all of them that says we're going to be great and maybe it translates. I'm not sure they have a better defense than the Jets, to be honest with you, with what the Jets have added this uh, offseason. 
Yeah, I, I, you could, I think you could probably tell when I wrote this I was a little bit torn. I complimented him half the time and took shots at him the other half the time. <laughs> because Rex, he's, he's refreshing. He's a character. I, I like that he's in the league. There's nothing wrong with coming in and instilling confidence, but you can see that the Manchurian candidate stuff is already at work here. These guys believe everything Rex says. And it's a little disturbing because everything Rex is about hyperbole. I mean, everything's the best this. It's, it's like you said, braggadocio, bravado. And he was run out of New York because it was a circus every year. And it's refreshing this year that Todd Bowles doesn't have a circus. And now already in Buffalo, the circus, they're already setting up the tents there. I, I just look at the, the Bills' defense. And, you know, two years ago with Pettin as defensive coordinator, they broke their franchise record for sacks. And they went last year and, and absolutely terrorized quarterbacks again. There's no question about that, but when you want to compare them to, as you mentioned in the article, someone like Seattle, some of the league's better defenses, if you don't have the secondary in today's NFL, there's still a way to, to – the, the, the Bills were – they were not a great defense in certain ways last season at all. Had they gotten better in the secondary to become that team, I don't see that. They're much better at home than they are on the road. And I think if you're going to be the best defense of all time or even the best defense in the NFL, you got to be good wherever you play. Uh, moving on to Seattle, where Russell Wilson, uh, I guess it's a little bit of a surprise. There's still no contract done with Wilson and the Seahawks. It seemed like this was something that would get done at some point this summer. I think that's still the goal. Um, but it's not done yet. And uh, Russell, Russell Wilson is, is talking about it here and there in different interviews. Uh, in an interview with ESPN, he was asked how much he thought he deserved. He laughed and said, I don't know, how much would you pay me? And then he continued, I think ultimately it comes down to the play, just let my play speak for itself. No matter if it's $25 million or if it's $1.5 I'll be ready to go. Uh, and then less than three hours after the interview aired, Wilson cryptically tweeted, don't believe me, just watch. I believe that's a callback to that Bruno Mars song, which is fitting because... Russell Martin is like kind of like the Bruno Mars of NFL quarterbacks. Mm. <laughs> uh, you know, everybody likes him. Everybody sees, says he's very talented. But are we going to say he's one of the greats? Like, is Bruno one of the great pop stars? I don't know. Is Russell Mar uh, Wilson one of the great quarterbacks in the NFL? And should he be paid that way, Chris Wessling? Uh, he He's going to be paid that way, whether it happens or not. And this is the story that gets trotted out every single week by NFL insiders, even though the the needle hasn't moved one bit since the beginning of the offseason. There's been no absolutely no news involved in the story all offseason, and yet we're told there's news every week. Right. Yeah. Nothing substantial has changed about the story whatsoever. When I was gone last week, you know, occasionally once every maybe fourth day checking – anything NFL related and I'm surprised you did that. I well, would. it was even by mistake at one point I went onto Twitter and saw some nonsense about can team X wrestle Russell Wilson away <laughs> from the Seahawks next year and it's, it's just, absurd because the Seahawks have been one of the best team building operations around and they know that until they had Russell Wilson they were that 7 and 9 type team and the, and there's no way you let him go it, and he'll get paid a perfect example too of what you're saying and what Wes you were saying how the, the story continues to kind of regurgitate this offseason on Sunday morning Sunday afternoon I was working a news shift uh, for around the NFL and our on-duty editor sent me some quotes from Russell Wilson in which he said you know I really want to be here a long time so I think we'll you know take care of business and he was like you can write this right and I was like well I don't know. It doesn't. It feels a little fishy. And then, sure enough, I did a search, and he said literally the same thing a month ago. 
you know, in terms of I want to be here for a long time. So this is just posturing and waiting for the other shoe to drop. They're going to get the deal done. And don't anybody get excited that Russell Wilson's playing for your team because it's never going to happen. Moving on. Steve Weatherford is a punter. Punters aren't, you know, respected generally within the sphere of the <laughs> Except NFL. Except by Rich Eisen. <laughs> Except by Rich Eisen, um, who has started a T-shirt empire. Uh, punters are people, too. Empire. But, however... Uh, Weatherford uh, made the mistake, I think even he would acknowledge it at this point, of speaking out about other football players that aren't punters on a Friday um, call-in with the WFN Boomer and Carton show. Uh, he made several uh, allusions to Eagles quarterbacks uh, calling uh, Sam Bradford a Ferrari, Ferrari that doesn't always start and calling Mark Sanchez a Cadillac that it's not the fastest, but you know you're going to get out of it. And then saying of Tim Tebow, uh, similar to um, call back to my Sully comment, you know, I'd love my daughter to marry him, but I don't want him anywhere near my team or something along those lines, which led to, you know, obviously a lot of outrage. And then Weatherford stepping away yesterday and running from his comments and apologizing to everyone he can. And, of course, J- Jason Kelsey, did you see uh, what Kelsey said, Wes? I did not see what Kelsey said. This is what Kelsey tweeted, which <laughs> kind of sums it up. Of course, a player who is literally not allowed to be touched is talking. <laughs> is interviewing punters a thing now? And then at weather for five, five. So sums it up, Mark. Well, and we know, I mean, you know, Weatherford has has had many forays into the media. I mean, he's been on NFL Network multiple times, and he's one of the few punters that you could potentially recognize, you know, on the street. I <laughs> I think what he said here is maybe the corrections he made. Dan, as you uh, wrote in the article, were more absurd than the initial comments because yeah, a little corrective the, steering. The overemphasis on the skills of Mark Sanchez. It's like I can't take his analysis very seriously. It, that he's rock solid. He well, was scrambling, and he called Sam. He called uh, Sam Bradford unbelievable uh, when healthy, which he's never been unbelievably in his overpaid. It, yeah. So listen, I, I felt bad for the guy, but but he underestimated. And, of course, he did the customary thing where you also blame the media for blowing it up. Dude, you said it, and you said it at the end of June to the biggest morning radio show in New York. That's that's what's exactly what's going to happen. So you got to be smarter. I, I read this. I had the shift the day before you, and I thought, who cares what John Weatherford thinks? I'm not writing about this. But, I mean, I also looked at his comments and said, yeah, it's true. What What is he saying that's untrue in any way? Right. Jason Kelsey here is the one who's really overreacting. Right. Well, it's uh, one other question, Dan. You keep talking about Sully marrying, and you have a young son, Jack. Yes. Great young boy, but you don't have a daughter, so let's assume you even had a daughter yeah. a year or two from now. Sully's going to be almost 40-something by the time your daughter would be of marrying age. You still, are you sure that you'd want that union to happen? That seems really suspicious to me, and there's probably, no offense, Sully, probably a better guy for her out at that point in her life. <laughs> I, I, I would hope I'm married by 40-something. That's obviously not where I was going. Wow. Yeah. Jokes. Wes, Jokes. Wes, your thoughts on that? Well, that was, you know, unprovoked attack on my character. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I saw it. And I, I don't think I didn't notice it on Twitter, uh, Wes, that someone mentioned how they didn't get their Around the NFL podcast fix. Uh, on Monday, so they re-listened to an old show, played Podcast Roulette, which is a great idea. Everyone should do it. And it was an episode where I was imploring Wes to, you know, date. And apparently Wes is saying he's becoming more dateable recently. So well, maybe I don't think there's cooking. 
I was under no illusions that I was dateable the last couple of years. I mean, I'm a I'm a bit of a monster, so. Oh, you but know that what? That's fair. a terrible thing to say about yourself, <laughs> and we disagree. Via. No, I I've spoken with a few girls lately. Some of them are train wrecks, and some of them aren't. <laughs> well, he's he's just got a very specific taste. He's he's. I do have a very uh, specific right. taste. Flawed yeah. women. And that's flawed. Admittedly flawed, but not broken beyond repair. And we'll, and of course, like I said, Lindsay Rhodes coming in on Thursday. She seems to be very interested in uh, your love life, and also not being a part of it, but just right. Lindsay <laughs> just happily married you. with a child herself. Yes, uh, but you know she might have some things to say. And about your goatee, we'll get into it on Thursday with Lindsay. Uh, Wes with a full, full-on goatee, no joke. And from a man that has a mustache, I approve of it. Thank you. Yeah, yes. I've, I haven't really done the goatee look before. I've done beards, so this is a new avenue for me. Um, all right, that's what's happening in the news. Not not a ton, as you might expect. Not necessarily a bad thing either. Okay, so let's move on. Uh, we'll get into it now. Chris Wessling, like I said, wrote a piece that is up on NFL.com slash around the NFL. Top comeback player of the year candidates for 2015. Uh, Wes, would you like to start with a disclaimer about, you know, last year you were big on RG3. So oh, yeah, not guys... necessarily a shot at your analysis, but these are, this is hard to read. No, I feel free to take shots for my RG3 prediction, which was... I was with you 100%, so I... Based in... Made I, sense at the time. Nothing but wish casting, apparently. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. wanted to see him return to his former uh, form, and he was he forgot how to play quarterback, so that didn't happen. Yeah, and that was weird, and I do like... I'm looking at the list of 10, and I didn't see RG3 there, and I was like, oh, well, I thought maybe Wes would no, take a I shot. Don't. Did put him on the other candidates list with, with Jay Cutler, which I was like, come on, Wes, leave those guys off. You know they ain't doing it. Well, I do know that, but you're right. I, <laughs> some tail covering going on here. Um, all right, so let's get into the list a little bit, and and why don't we start uh, I like going descending order. Big descending order guy. So we'll start with 10 through 8, Jordan Cameron of the Dolphins. Uh, Colin Kaepernick of the Niners, and Victor Cruz of the Giants. In the case of Cruz, he's coming back from a serious knee injury. Kaepernick just coming back from a mess of a year. And Cameron, who missed a lot of last year, uh, I believe, what, with head injuries, and he had another he had another malady as well. If I, It was just a washout campaign in Cleveland for Cameron. So, uh, Mark, I'll start with you. Which, which name there jumps out to you as the most likely? I like Cruz back? because I think, I think a lot of the – comeback player of the year situation is narrative. And there's a chance where Victor Cruz, if healthy, is seeing the number two cornerback if they aren't even doubling Odell Beckham with, with two secondary guys all season long. You could potentially have the comeback player of the year and the offensive player of the year at the same position in New York. No way. Well, probably not. But Cruz is the one I probably didn't believe in the most out of anything on here. I just Patel or tendon ruptures are just Career kid. We'll have to see it. Yeah. I mean, you you know, he was an underdog guy to start with, so it was, it was a bummer to see that happen. You know, Cameron, I, as I've said, the you know, the God hates Cleveland rule, it just feels like he's going to come back and have a nice season with Miami and bounce back to form. Kaepernick is the guy it's hard for me to figure out. I have no idea which way he would go. You can almost say, looking at Wes's list, that he would make the most sense because quarterbacks – uh, usually win this award or the, when you look at it historically, and he is undeniably talented, and it can't get worse than last year. But at the same time, does he have enough around him to have a nice season this year? 
Yeah, I think it's, it, with Kaepernick, it's one of those cases like what about the situation makes you believe things will be better than last year? Right. But there's also the fact that he's too talented to play as poorly as he did last year. All right, let's move on. Uh, number seven, uh, Honey Badger, Tyron Matho, um from uh, Arizona, the defensive back. Or is it Matthew? Why do I, I, Matthew. I stumble all over that. Uh, Darren McFadden, the Cowboys running back at six, and Navarro Bowman, the Niners linebacker. Uh, and, again, you look at these, Bowman coming back with a knee injury that was different, but, you know, every bit as devastating as the type of injury Cruz is dealing with. Uh, McFadden just trying to come back from being deeply ineffective for several years in Oakland. And Honey Badger, who did come back last year from his uh, knee injury but wasn't all the way back, uh, which could change this year. Wes, we'll start with Honey Badger. You're high on him. Bullish on the Badger. I'm not the only one. The Cardinals coaching staff is very bullish on him this year. They brought him back. They kind of eased him back in last year. He had a, a basically shredded his knee, so he wasn't ready when the season started. And I think finally this year they're saying they, they see him back as the guy he was in 2013 when he was in the mix for Defensive Rookie of the Year before he tore his knee up. I like Bowman because, I again, my one issue with this award is sometimes there seems to be no real – guideline as to how anyone wins because but you know honey badger and bowman at least would be coming back from massive injuries and bowman's also in a situation where uh oh look this defense lost all its linebackers we're all we're, we're, we're relying on this guy to come in and do it and he was awesome in the offseason workout so far at least earlier this month it's a good setup for him to make a name for himself again this season uh let me throw something out there a little teaser to our next topic we'll be talking about Sessler's uh, six players likely to disappoint. So I found this interesting. Wes, you have McFadden uh, for Dallas's number six as comeback player of the year candidate. Mark, you have McFadden as number three on a list of six uh, as six as a player likely to disappoint. Now I well, will step out of the way and you guys brawl. Well, we've been on the other. I'm not saying we are. We, you buy one tremendously and I buy the other, but I think McFadden. Get personal. McFadden Take shots. is the guy that I just uh, and I I hope for his sake that I'm wrong. I just don't buy it, and I think if anything, there'll be two or three running backs in Dallas that have, you know, a, a certain amount of yardage, but it's not going to be McFadden running for 1,600 yards. I just don't like him as a player that much at this point. Wes, counterpoint. Well, I understand that. You're Greg feels the same way. I don't think there's much reason to believe, out of what he's shown the last three years, there's no reason to believe he'll turn it around. I'm going back to the fact that when he's in the right blocking scheme, with good blocking, he's. I think he's the most blocking-dependent running back in the league, and that's why I think he can do it. I'm not saying 100% he's going to break out, but right. I see him as a guy. I'm not going to write him off. I think he's in the ideal situation for his skill set. Uh, that's not what Wes was saying earlier. He read your list. Oh, really? Classic turd Sessler. Well, you know, <laughs> Dan, that's yeah. why I appreciate you giving yeah. me the unfiltered view of what really happened in the office. Yep. I, you know what? I just got to say know. what I I don't know. The say. last time I've used the word turd was probably 30 years ago. <laughs> uh, uh, this uh, classic barf pose from Sessler, he added as well. Listen, they said we need some content. You've been away for a week. Come in, get it done. Number four through two on this list, Sam Bradford, Eagles quarterback, C.J. Spiller, Saints running back, Carson Palmer, Cardinals quarterback, and uh, let's see, Sam Bradford coming back from a knee that's really just a knee in theory at this point. Uh, C.J. Spiller kind of lost in the wilderness in Orchard Park, fresh start in New Orleans, and Carson Palmer, who's also coming back from a second ACL. Uh, Palmer, to me, and we we keep on – 
Wes, we keep on talking about, um, you know, who are the potential. We don't keep on talking about it, but we've talked about who is the team of around the NFL in 2015. And if Honey Badger gets comes back to form and Carson Palmer is healthy, you got a nice offense. Johnny line, Brown. Nice weapons, and you got a great coach. Man, there's a lot to like about the Cardinals if both Honey Badger and Carson Palmer are on the, in consideration this year. I think the around the league, team of around the league, right now, like, the gates have opened and the Vikings and Cardinals have rushed out to the league. Yes. I, I agree with that. Very fair to say. Yeah, I think Carson Palmer, people don't know that he's 13-2 and two in his last 15 starts, 27-12 to 12 TD to interception ratio, 96 quarterback rating. Since he mastered Bruce Arians' offense, this has been one of the best teams in the NFL, and Palmer has been one of the most effective quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, we spent the morning while we were writing these up watching that old 2003, January 2003 Steelers-Browns playoff game where Arians had Kelly Holcomb throwing for 400-plus yards. This is a perfect offense for Carson Palmer. But I have to look at Bradford. If he were to play, let's say he were to play 15 games and they go 9-7 and seven as a team, that is an easy comeback player of the year situation just based on the wreckage that is the rest of his career at this point. If, if he played, you know, back to, I guess – Close to the level he was when he was healthy, and he plays a full season in that offense. His numbers are going to be great, and they don't—they don't need to be out amazingly great. But if he just comes back and puts in a full campaign, bang, he gets my vote. Yeah, I think we don't get it. If vote. he stays healthy, I don't think any question the numbers will follow. The only question is whether Mark Sanchez or Sam Bradford is under center to start right. the season. Some people wondering, uh, as a quick aside, whether TD suspension is paid or not. The answer is no, not a paid suspension. Uh, Nor should it be. Forced leave. Finally, number one on Chris Wessling's list. Listen, you probably knew he was coming. Here he is, Adrian Peterson, Vikings running back. And, Wes, I'll tee you up here because I like the way you started this bullet because I did read it before we came upstairs. History is instructive. Well, yeah, I think on one hand you have an award that is the most nebulous award in football. Nebulous. Comeback player of the year. Nobody knows what goes into it. Mm. Phillip Rivers won a couple of years ago because he was coming off a bad year with poor surrounding talent. That qualifies for comeback player of the year. Adrian Peterson missed 15 games, mostly because of something he did, partly because the climate change in the NFL. I think history is instructive. Michael Vick and Ben Roethlisberger, they were pariahs, social pariahs, disciplined by the league. And within a few months of coming back, everybody forgot about what they had done. And I think if Peterson comes back by December or January when they're voting for this award, and if he leads the league in rushing or gets 1,500 rushing yards and the Vikings are pretty good, that would make him the favorite. It's a good point. Like the way our culture works, if Adrian Peterson is Adrian Peterson again, by Christmas, listen, whether we should or not, nobody will ever talk about what happened to him in the past. It will be just a piece of his history, and he would be the heavy front runner. Absolutely, and it won't hurt that by Christmas, this might be a playoff team in the making. Very nice. Very nice, Mark. Hey, by the way, Mark, give me one that's not on this list. Well, you know, I know that to Wesling, and this was an outstanding read, but there are only 31 teams in the NFL, and the team that uh, continually is not on his radar. Did I forget Josh McCown? You forgot. Johnny Manziel. Mm, because when good old possible. Josh McCown goes out with a toe injury in week three, <laughs> and Johnny Manziel, fresh from I, his off-season correctional habits, and he gets on that field and rolls that team to a 9-7, and 10-6 and finish, 
what will the narrative be then? I can One assure of the greatest you that second John, years. I can assure you that Johnny Manziel is not absent because I forgot about him. <laughs> <All right. laughs> and I, and I, I'll, I'll get behind uh, uh, Greg, who, who's big on Geno Smith. But I'll probably go with Chad Pennington, who gets this every couple of years, <laughs> probably remodeled his kitchen and did a great job. Uh, Would you believe that in the history of this award, Tommy Maddox and John Kitna have won? No, I don't believe it. Wait, what is this? What's going on here behind the glass? Whoa, there he is. Wow. Henry Hodgson, handsome Hank. Oh, boy. Steps in holding some, some ice cream. Here, wow. Put, put on the old cans. What a mensch. Ha- handsome Hank from the Dave Damashek football program, buddy. What's up? Hi, guys. Hey, Henry. Hi, how are you? Wow, what is going on so here? So um, I'm often painted by Mark Sessler as a, as a villain <laughs> on your podcast. And by just me. Well, not just you, but but by you sometimes. And so I wanted to prove that I'm actually a nice person. It's blazing hot outside. I don't oh, know if you've been outside. Summer has like arrived in Los high Angeles. High 80s in Los Angeles. So I brought a selection of ice creams because I know you guys get hungry while you work as hard as you do, you know, every day producing oh, terrific man. content for NFL.com. Wow. I brought a selection. There are four ice creams. Wow. So we, got, we got a Butterfinger bar. Uh, ice cream bar, Hagen Dazs, chocolate, dark chocolate, double mm-hmm. chocolate, mango. This is for the, you know, that's, that's for TD. <laughs> well, I figured Mark's vegetarian. I'll take, I'll take the mango. Oh, really? And the cookies and cream. I, I'll take any of those, but the mango. What do you want, Wes? I'll have any of it. All right. I'm not even particular. And, they all look delicious. And, and Sully behind the glass will get one as well. And not even the mango, because Mark right, took Mark's it. Mark's going to have the mango. No way. I was going to say mango. By the way, I don't. The <laughs> painting me is some sort of anti-handsome I, Hank, because it, just minutes before the podcast, I tweeted out, the supplemental draft is coming up in the, next month. Well, that's Henry's that is, wheelhouse. Yeah, he's our guy, you know, yeah. and I, I think that you're a downright seer. Your supplemental mock draft each year. Which, Normally about 99% correct. Henry. That's amazing. <laughs> Henry, this. That is true. Yeah, check out Henry Hodgson's. Uh, Supplemental draft posts for around the NFL. Always our most accurate content every year, <laughs> just about. Uh, Henry, thank you very much. Well, it's a pleasure. I'm, I just enjoy them, and I look forward to listening and hearing you eat this the whole way does through. Does Damashek know about what's happening right now? Because I feel like huh? it wouldn't sit well with him. Oh, he, he won't mind. Okay. The, the good thing Probably is don't he's tell normally him sitting eating a – amazingly, he's normally sitting eating a salad most Did of we time. get rid of Fabiano's refrigerator in this room? It is actually out there. But I, I kind of insist on you eating it Eating during. it while we do it. Oh, that okay. I think that, good. that sounds more fun. All right. Handsome <laughs> Hank, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's going to sound horrendous. Thanks, One of buddy. us crunching on a cookies yeah. and cream. Just <laughs> That's terrible. On the on the eve of Independence Day, too, to see Henry be so magnanimous. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> Special guy. Bygones be bygones. That is, by the way, people think he's just, you know, Dave's sidekick or whatever. That is the director of programming that just gave us ice cream. So let's read into it as you will. We are moving up the old chain. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. That's great. We got ice cream here. That's good. Something to look forward to and to keep the show relatively snappy so we can eat it before it melts. Six players likely to disappoint in 2015. Mark Sessler wrote the piece. He originally wanted to do 10, ran out of steam, said, I can't do any more. I'm stopping at six. So let's start with six. That is not completely accurate, but it is it is mostly accurate. Six through four, Jeremy Macklin, the Chiefs wide receiver, Matt Castle, Bill's quarterback, and Byron Maxwell, Eagles cornerback, uh, Mark, why did you choose these guys? I don't really like any of them personally. Oh, it's personal. <laughs> so let's start there. Yeah. No, no, I, you know, this is the thing where, where Wes uh, put together a post where a lot of players and people will read this and say, what a nice guy. 
you know, there he's, he's <laughs> casting hope for my future. I yeah. realize that this is going to go very poorly because I'm predicting doom for these guys. You wear the black yeah. hat. I don't like if it. Bleeds, it leads, my friend. There you go. I don't like any player that goes from the Eagles' offense to the Chiefs' offense. Let's That's start fair. there with Macklin. Matt Castle is a bona fide disaster in waiting, and Byron Maxwell. You know, it's Sully sneaking in here to grab the ice cream. That is hey. that is a rough move, but we're, nah, I, we can't. I respect it. I respect it. Oh, he's going to keep it that. on ice for us. Nicely done. Good producer. Is that truly Fabiano's refrigerator? I just assumed it was. Who knows? It's uh, yeah, he uses it frequently. Go ahead, Mark. Uh, Byron Maxwell, I think, you know, he was in a secondary where you've got Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, and Cam Chancellor around you. It's not going to be the same situation at Philly. Well, the the Matt Castle one, I mean, I, I He think, may not even make the team. Right, I think that – Wait, how, I was going to say, why is he on this list? Because everyone is kind of assuming, unless you're like the diest of the diehards in – Orchard Park, you're not thinking anything of Matt. Well, like well, I said, uh, or I unless you're Greg Rosen, or you're Greg. I don't think much of him personally. That's where it started <laughs> I know. here. I no, know but that. honestly, because they traded for him, I thought initially was we've got our okay. veteran to lead us in Week One, and it's not just from here here to the end. It's since they brought him in till now, he has been an absolute disappointment. They called him the worst quarterback in the offseason program. All right, and uh, so number, I would hold on. I would take exception with Maxwell. That's the only one I. I'm not saying that your points aren't salient on this. They yeah. are, but I, I think he'll pay off for the Eagles. I think it's an interesting to watch because it'll be the first guy that comes out of the Legion of Boom and is asked to actually go from sort of a number two to a number one guy. How will he do against Odell Beckham, Des Bryant, Desha- you know, Deshaun Jackson, guys like this? It's weird that excellent points. It's weird that uh, Wes would say you have excellent points and salient points because when he printed this paper up, he muttered to himself. Oops, another trip to the Sessler Barf Factory. Listen, I can't control what's <laughs> As long as he's keeping it professional on the barf. podcast, we're fine. Barf Factory. Uh, Is it like one of those plastic barfs that you bring to like a bad comedian You show tell or me, something? man. I, I feel know. like maybe, you Dan, you might be projecting slightly on Wes. <laughs> number three on this list, we talked about Darren McFadden. Uh, so we'll look at number two and number one. Number two, Josh McCown, Brown's quarterback. Uh, Mark protecting himself clearly. Uh, new Mark is a new way of looking at the Browns this year after last year's campaign of hope, and it is just a just a tuck into like a ball and uh, absorb the blows to his ribs and back area. And then number one, so let's stick with McCown right now. Wes, uh, Mark, we'll start with you. Why do you really feel confident that McCown is going to be a dud in Cleveland? Truly. Yeah, I think there's a couple problems. I, they're a run-heavy team, and that's that's in his favor. He had no line last year, so he's going to be better protected. But they arguably have the worst wide receiver group in the league. They arguably have the worst tight end group in the league. They lost Jordan Cameron. And so who gets you out of a jam when they do invariably when they're seeing eight-man boxes on first and second down and he's forced to make a play? He hasn't done that since that Chicago Bears year. Wessling is a famous McCown apologist, but even Wes would agree that in that magical six-week stretch in Chicago, it was the Alshon Jeffrey breakout year. It was a 28-year-old Brandon Marshall doing damage, and that was Matt Forte playing behind him. That was a good offense to have that type of breakout, which he doesn't have here. Yeah, McCown – he was perfect for that offense because he would throw the ball up and let his guys make plays, which Jay Cutler didn't do. Jay Cutler will stare receivers down, wait till they get open, and McCown will just throw them open. Like Mark said, that's not as great of a quality with the Browns, but I, 
I kind of feel like I should have put McCown on the comeback player of the year list because I do believe in him. And and what you said, he's surrounded by defense and running game. That's what they're going to do. They're going to coddle him a little bit. And if Brian Hoyer can have the best 10 weeks of his career last year with the same receivers, I don't have any problem saying McCown can do it. I was just essentially writing this entire piece to put Wes into a corner to actually <laughs> take a Browns quarterback and spin it positively. I like what I'm I, hearing. Brilliant. I think that Josh McCown is going to exceed everyone's expectations. They, well, part of it the Browns. is well, exactly because what they've said about it makes it sound like they've found like a you know DNA Peyton Manning's DNA inside his bloodstream, and I don't Maybe believe they that. Well, we'll, that would see. be gross. That's true. <laughs> Uh, and finally, number one, Nick Foles, the Rams quarterback. You know, he goes from Chip Kelly's offense, where he wasn't even good last year, uh, which is known as potentially the quarterback-proof offense around here. Now he's going to St. Louis. And what's the last quarterback that did a damn thing under Jeff Fisher's watch? That's, or on that was Jeff Fisher's McNair. watch. Right. Long time Shared ago. the 2003 MVP with Peyton Manning, I believe. Rest in peace, Steve. Maybe even in spite of Jeff Fisher. I mean, that was my premise that, like, I, you got to prove it to me in St. Louis before I, I get on board the Nick Foles train. I had, I apparently last week or the week before, I mentioned that the Rams could be the worst offense in the NFL, and a Rams fan took exception to that on Twitter and said, please explain. As if it's some outrageous comment, they have a new offensive coordinator. They have a quarterback with major accuracy issues. They have a running back coming off an ACL injury. And they have a wide receiver core that has yet to have anyone top 800 yards in what? Since like 1992 or something. And they have an offensive line that has three new parts and nobody knows who's playing center or right guard. So, yeah, they they could easily be the worst offense in the NFL. Well, probably wrong to say they've not had someone top that amount of yards since 1992 because they were one of the best offenses in the history of right. football in the late 90s. The greatest show on barf. Uh, <laughs> Wes, your uh, choice, a player that you think is likely to disappoint that's not here. Jimmy Garoppolo. I was thinking Garoppolo myself. Everyone just assumes he's going to step yes. in for the Super Preach. Bowl MVP and do Preach, great. baby. The Patriots have the two best quarterbacks in the NFL, Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo. Give me a break. Garoppolo has to play against the Bills. He has yep. to play against the Jaguars. All right, I can't get worked up about that. I believe he has to play against the Steelers. Come on, you can't just – Garoppolo's just going to put him in there and they're going to be Super Bowl caliber again? Exactly. This guy's going to be put on his butt. Everybody thinks Jimmy Garoppolo because he carries himself well and is playing in New England under Tom Brady. Well, you know, Ryan Mallett, you know, never became anything. Why are we assuming that the second-round pick will? Well, the only thing I'd say is that they were able to take Matt Castle, who is now a train wreck, and milk an 11 and 5 season. Well, hold on. That team had the greatest wide receiver of his generation and the greatest slot receiver of his generation. They did. This one still has the best coach. This is still the, the team that prepares better than any other team in the league. I, I get that. That's but good. that's a fair one because people have anointed you know Garoppolo as like he's going to come in and roll him to 4-0. I'll throw out I, – I would say Jimmy Graham, uh, but we talked about that last week. But I do think Jimmy Graham will take a step back in his first year in Seattle. Perhaps not permanently, but I think it will take some time there for him to be the guy. So I see him disappointing. But I'll throw out Frank Gore. I think a lot of people are bullish on Frank Gore stepping in there and, and being you know 2008 Frank Gore. But this is an older guy. I mean, most – 32 running, 32-year-old running backs aren't the same player anymore. So to expect him, no matter how good that offense is, to be, all of a sudden be the answer to all their problems in the backfield, I think it's asking a little bit much of Frank Gore. I think you're on the right track, except for I don't think it's a small point that he's going to be facing the softest boxes 
of his career. Yeah. Guys like sure. Boom Heron and Ahmad Bradshaw are rushing for five yards per carry behind that line in, in that offense. Um, all right, so that's it. That is the six players likely to disappoint with two bonus players. Really three. I really want to <laughs> dig into it a little bit. All right, before we get out of here, we wanted to uh, hit the mailbag. We're going to do it more extensively on Thursday, but wanted to dig in a little bit uh, today, ask a couple of questions or see a couple of uh, questions. Uh, so why don't we start with – ooh, I like this one. This is from Peter Squires, at Peter underscore Squires. Marshawn Lynch dove into a pool of Skittles on Conan last night. What food would each ATN hero like to dive into a pool of? If you could choose one food to dive into, what would it be? Mark. I could much easier think of things I wouldn't want to dive into. Well, give us that, too. Yeah. Tuna fish. Oh, yeah. It's disgusting. Uh, cottage cheese. <laughs> I'd rather die. I'd literally rather just be killed than to yeah. have to do that. Into... Um, is water a food? No, no. Orange juice. That's no. not a food. That's a drink. So you hate food so much you don't even know what food <laughs> is. I will dive into lettuce and then I will easily <laughs> just climb right out. It. Well, no, because it. it won't even no. get on me. It wouldn't even. I be think on me. Bugs Bunny already beat you to that one, <laughs> Wes. Uh, we don't. We're not eating the food, so it doesn't matter if I even like it. To me, I'm going for what would be best to actually physically jump into. Yeah. Going Jello. That'd be fun. That's fun. Yeah. It's made of horses, but that's fine. <laughs> All right. That's fine. It's uh, like broken down. I like you. You got me thinking differently because it would be fun to dive into some chocolate pudding, maybe. But uh, You'd be sloppy. I don't like being messy like that. All right. That's fair. But I will say I would love to dive into a pile of chicken parm heroes. <laughs> oh, that is. <laughs> and I would eat. I wouldn't get right out. I would take a break and just kind of do some backstrokes, eat some chicken parm. I can picture. Mark disgusted by that. No, way. it just seems like a waste of time. <laughs> Eating a waste of time, Mark Sessler. <laughs> uh, what else we got here? Oh, Mark, this is from for you from uh, Christopher watching at Sing for the Day. Is Mark going to one day abandon ATN to pursue a career in art in or around Omaha? Uh, that wasn't on the radar. <laughs> Not on the radar at the moment. Omaha. I have been through there on a bus in roughly 1998 or so. Have not been back since. I was going to say, what is the Omaha tie-in? I don't know, unless it's a reference to a Counting Crows song. We should thank uh, At Sing for the Day for sending us a trophy a few months back. He made up an award called Listener's Choice Award and sent us a trophy. It was (laughs) very nice of him. All right, let's do one more. Uh, This from from Ass Bjorn, 1975. Oh, he's great. Okay. I like that guy. Well, good question here. Uh, to me, Dan, are you sad that the new Radicals retired after one album and their song, You Get What You Give? Uh, I'm not necessarily sad about it, but I think I've tweeted in the past that that's um, my favorite one-hit wonder of the 90s. Wasn't that the song that was blaring when they opened up the roof at the Super Bowl? It was, and that's exactly when I tweeted it. Oh. And I said it was the you know one of the best singles of the 90s. It might have been a little more hyperbolic I might have said it was the best single to caught some heat uh, it was this song uh, definitely in one hit wonder the new radicals was actually I believe his name is Greg something or other and it was a one-man band and he <laughs> went he went into production work after this he never put out another album but this pop gem great song is a tremendous one hit wonder which got me thinking what's with these bands that have plural one guy uses a plural band name like the mountain goats yeah, I mean it's confusing. Goats, bright eyes, it it happens occasionally. 
but it got me thinking. I was curious what you guys thought. What was your favorite one-hit wonder of the 90s? Mine was the New Radicals. You get what you give. Chris Wessling, yours. I I took a trip down memory lane. I had a list of like 10 or 12 of these that I was just really fond of, and they all brought up a specific memory. Music is that way. It is uh, you know, it's a trigger of nostalgia. Thank you. Return it. Return of the Mac, obviously, but I, yeah. I think for purposes of this exercise, primitive radio gods standing outside a broken phone booth with money in my hand, which kind of reminds me the title. There you go. The Bob Dylan stuck inside of Mobile with the Memphis Blues again. Yeah. Much different sound, and you clued me into something on this song. Originally, uh, take off on a BB King song. Well, that's that's BB King singing. That is the sample, uh, the late BB King. Yes, this was on the what soundtrack, by the way. For a sandwich. Would have been late 90s, right? Mid 90s. Mid 90s. Train spotting. No. Romeo and Juliet, but that's not true. Yes, uh, the Cable Guy soundtrack. Ah. I don't even know what that is. Uh, Jim Carrey vehicle. Uh, uh, I thought you were talking dark, about the comedian. Directed by guy. Ben Stiller. All right, finally, Mark Sessler, your one hit wonder. Well, this also, I had a couple candidates here, but when I remembered and came across Lens Steal My Sunshine Ooh. there was no other way to go <laughs> this song just makes me happy it's, it does it's a very particular time in the 90s it yes. seems like around 97 to me or something it's 99 is right around Ooh. the turn of the century and you gotta go watch the video which they went and made like three versions of this song by the way but the video milking is, that hit is milk absolutely it is a bunch it's a peacetime bunch of jabronis rolling around on mopeds in like a in an absolute excess in what I think is Miami Beach maybe it didn't seem like LA to me I think the key word there is peacetime it it makes for different more lively music in peacetime it's definitely a pre 9-11 song yes not to bring it down, but it has that vibe like before never to be heard from again well I think our younger our younger listeners might not know like what kind of America we were from 1995 until 2001, everything was upbeat. Yeah, well, it's good times. Everything changed. Life is cyclical. Back when Sully was three. Sully, no, I was I'm, I'm, I was born in 91. You're a boy. I was kicking. You're a boy, and I I would get on you. You know, I want we want to hear your 90s song. I'd get right. on you. Oh, uh, you were too young to appreciate the 90s. But uh, as someone that was born in 1980 myself, I loved 80s music when I was growing up and was a teenager and got older. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna. No, 90s music's you. my favorite. No. Yeah. Type of so music. let's hear Sully first. Explain what is your okay. Um, well, this this one uh, goes back to uh, um, skating around on roller rinks, uh, birthday parties going back in the day, and uh, this was skaters a, only. This was a huge song uh, back in '98, I believe. <laughs> Stupid! Oh god! Absolute classic. Eiffel Eiffel '65. Yeah, this song is terrible. It, it came down yeah. to between this. Um, no, well, you don't get to do this. You, I know. He's okay, do that's multiple. True, that's that's true. cheating. I can't. I can't do. Multiple. I actually liked that song when it came out. I believe. I'm sticking. I'm sticking to this. You can song. tell what, us what, what was your runner-up. I'm just out of curiosity. Uh, Tal Bachman, she's so high. <laughs> God. So See, high you know what? Above me. What? By the time you were cognizant, Sully, to like start to get into music, you had missed like the late late '90s is when things turned a little bit. And then all of a sudden, the the, the pop stuff and right. Sink and Backstreet Boys hit, and it was all over. And then, oh the oh my God, the new rock with uh, Corn and Limp Bizkit, and things got Forget real it. dark. The uh, early '90s, you had a lot of gems. 
Yeah, early, I would say yeah. Well, I love '90s music. Period, but one hit wonders. Late '90s yeah. was pretty, pretty pristine. Well, that was oh, good. You're missing out on things like Concrete Blondes, Joey, in '92. That was one of my. <laughs> West, you knew West would take us backwards, not forwards. Oh, you can go tub thumping, Jumbo Wamba. We oh. mentioned that downstairs. That was Eagle my third runner up. That save, was my third runner up. Save tonight tub, by tub Eagle thumping. Eye Cherry. Oh, save tonight. Deep Blue something. Great. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh yeah, that's my that's my favorite Pandora station, by the way. <laughs> Don't say too much, though. <laughs> the Mighty Mighty Boston's. Uh, I think their fans would be upset to say they were a one. They have one. fans. Yeah. Oh, huge fan base. Really? Yeah, big uh, Boston band. All right. That's it for Tuesday's edition of the Around the NFL podcast. We'll be back later in the week with the great Lindsey Rose sitting in uh, Greg's chair. So that will be fun. Uh, we'll get into the top 100 and all other good stuff. So thank you for listening. This is Dan Hansis signing off for the Sizzler, the Mailman, Sully behind the glass, and Brandon the Irishman. Till Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.